What's happening? This is Eric Wright, the host of the Disco Posse podcast, and I'm super proud because this is a really neat episode, not just because my guest is named Eric, but because Eric Geyer is the CEO and founder of Pure Assurance. He's going to talk about the real challenges, especially if you're an independent, uh, and how to get insurance coverage and get the best possible deal if you're in the United States, which I know a lot of my folks who are listening are. But beyond that, even if it's not going to affect you directly, you're going to want to hear Eric's story. It's incredible. He's just hes just an incredibly energetic human, somebody who you'll be inspired at the end of this. I can promise that. Speaking of inspiration and support, did I mention support? We've got an amazing set of supporters who make this podcast happen. I've got to give a shout out to our good friends over at Veeam Software. The easiest way to make sure you can let them know how much you love what we do and what they do. Go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse and you can find out. they got a really, really neat campaign they're running right now. Although right now is kind of a weird phrase because I don't know when you're going to listen to this. But if you go there, go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. And right now they've got the Become an AWS Superhero. Make sure you can protect everything. So everything you need for your data protection needs, whether it's on-premises, in the cloud, physical servers, virtualization, even cloud native. That's right. You still need to back that stuff up. I love to say that they're stateless workloads. We haven't actually gotten there yet, but we're getting there slowly but surely. And when you do, even there, where do you keep that stuff? Oh, that's right. You're talking about it in Teams. You're talking about it in SharePoint. You got to protect that SaaS stuff too. So go do it. Go to vee.am forward slash discoposse. By the way, really big sponsor announcement coming up soon. Not right now, but the next episode. So make sure you stay tuned. And in the meantime, grab yourself a tasty, devilishly good Diabolical Coffee. Head on over to diabolicalcoffee.com and you can use the code DISCOPOSSE. And that gets you a discount. And you can get the most amazing shirt in the business, which is the Devil's Breath. A limited edition t-shirt we're running right now for the summer or until we run out. So get on in. Get the Devil's Breath. Support an independent artist, the amazing Zine Rashidi. So go check it out. Go to diabolicalcoffee.com. Also, hey, quick hit, go to rapidmatter.io. Doing a ton of stuff, lots more going on. But without further ado, let's get to the conversation. Hi, this is Eric Geyer. I'm the founder and CEO of Pure Shorens. Welcome to the Disco Posse Podcast. You're a pro at this. You're a fantastic speaker, by the way, Eric. So this is my pleasure to host you, not just because you're named Eric, but because uh, I'm a big fan of the story of your organization. Uh, I'm going to love that my audience is going to be very aware of the challenges that your team are solving. And you've got such a really good personal history in in the industry and how you got to here so it'll be fun to kind of dive into how pure assurance got started as well but before uh i go too far talking about it for folks that are brand new to you eric if you want to give us a, a quick intro and a bio and then we'll talk about the pure assurance story 
Sure, yes. Um, my name is Eric Geyer. I'm the founder and CEO of Pure Assurance. Uh, we help franchisees, uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs, and freelancers secure affordable yet comprehensive health insurance. And uh, it's something that if you're a small business owner without a uh, without being fortunate to have a spouse on a group plan that you can leverage, you're likely to have an expensive problem. So um, that actually brought me to health insurance. I had spent about 25 years before that in institutional equity sales on Wall Street, uh, representing some of the world's largest pension funds uh, and asset managers trading the global equity markets. Um, I now from New York, uh, we moved down here to Florida, and uh, I am uh, much happier making a difference in the lives of people on a much more granular level. I meet a lot of interesting small business people. Everybody's got a great story, and it's just nice to see the um, the the effects of of your work uh, on an individual basis. So you know that's kind of what brought me here. That is one of the most profound things that we get to do you know we we often talk about you know the stories and the customer stories like it's such a fundamental part of like marketing and and really relating what it is the value that we bring as organizations and when you can actually like shake the hand of the person that you helped in the directly and it's great you know, this is a hot topic you know definitely in one that we see the numbers from the SBA. We see the numbers from, oh, especially the last 18 months. A lot of folks are in a real struggle as far as, hey, can I get away from my traditional day-to-day -day because my traditional day-to-day -day is not tenable anymore. Like it, actually, it either went away or it's been cut back. Just the world has changed so much in the last while. And a lot of folks say, well, let me start my own thing. However, outside of just going to, you know, legal zoom and, and grabbing your contract and forming a Delaware LLC, there is suddenly a real personal family problem that you have. And this is the, the problem of healthcare. And so if you want to give background, especially for my international listeners, so as the Canadian, all my Canadian folks are like, what are you talking about? It's all included. It's <laughs> yeah, no so worries. The Canadians can come back in 20 minutes when we talk about startups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, the the probably one of the um, most fitting examples is that the Franchise Business Association, based down here in Florida, who represents over 200 franchises as well as third-party uh, marketers, has brought me on as the uh, person to solve the health insurance problems for the existing franchisees and for those who are considering going into business for themselves. Uh, one of the biggest stumbling blocks, especially if you have a family, in making that jump from corporate America is to have that health insurance in place. So when you do open up your doors in whatever business you decide to undertake, it, it won't be a uh, an albatross on your shoulders having to pay that COBRA monthly fee that um, is so taxing for a new business owner where cash is king and liquidity is paramount. So every day we're trying to make health insurance as 
uh, wallet-friendly as possible while providing the kind of asset protection that business owners need um, to uh, stay solvent and not have to worry that if a serious event happens to either them or anyone in their family or their employees, uh, that uh, they will be sufficiently taken care of. It, it, it's an interesting thing, too. It's not just accessibility of insurance and and just the the raw capital expenditure that's there but also like it's it's effectively an investment it's one that we have to invest in every month but there are ways in which we can use you know things that you know there are different asset vehicles and different investment vehicles that can be incorporated as, along with it mm -hmm. it's but it's most people don't even do their taxes <laughs> and they very certainly don't do their health care Yes. With the attention that it needs, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, I actually get laughed at a lot because I'm the only one who gets excited about health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's important because health insurance is, first of all, not a one size fit, fits all thing, right? So, you know, you could have been put on a policy three years ago and all of a sudden your life circumstances might have changed and it dictates that you don't need this, but you need that. And this is something where you need to do an annual review like you do your retirement plan. You know, this is, this is asset protection. This is health protection. This is, God forbid, something serious happens. There are no surprises. So, you know, I, I would strongly encourage that whoever your health agent or broker is, that you conduct a, an annual review to make sure that the coverage that you have is relevant to the um, life situation that you find yourself in at the moment. That, that becomes the important thing too. It's not even just one size fits all, but one size fits you for greater than 12 months. A lot can, That's right. can be affected in your life. And, and as people think five years down the road to perhaps business and financial planning, it's so odd that we don't think of what is the impact on my overall insurance and program. My wife, uh, you know, has, has severe allergies. Uh, she always started jokes. She says basically food is trying to kill her every day. And so everything under the sun. And one of the, the challenges, of course, if we were to go out on our own and, and be independent creators or whatever full time is, you know, the, the insurance risk to her and the health risks are, are significant. So it really, we know, uh, I know very well what the impact is, but most people think kind of everything is okay until they go to the doctor that one time. And That's right. They find out a good friend of ours, you know, he says, I'm having, you know, weird back problems and then finds out that he has uh, cancerous growth, you know, and like that in a moment, it's, it's different, right? And no one wants to be, ready for that like that's the it seems horrible to have to think about those kind of catastrophic events that could be there and thankfully he's with us still today uh, is Good. in remission has survived awesome. but you know as humans we really struggle with the planning part especially when it's planning plus spending yes and uh one of the biggest and i you know, I know we'll, we'll probably talk about life insurance at some point uh but one of the biggest things where people bury their head in the sand uh, is long-term care, right? People are living now into their 90s. You have a 5% chance if you're married that you'll both live to your 100. Um, 
you know, there's a 50% chance that you're going to need long-term care. And most people do not have a long-term care plan in place. So, you know, that, that's a, that's another conversation, obviously, but, you know, you just can't afford to bury your hand, your head in the sand with, with anything having to do with your health or having to do with your finances, because life will happen regardless of whether you're in the sand or not. So it's just better to endure the pain, uh, which is never as bad as, as one might anticipate it. And, uh, just make sure that you are well covered. So this brings the question, Eric, Mm -hmm. What is the, what's the pure assurance story that's targeted specifically to the independent folks and the entrepreneurs? So how, how do you bring something that's going to be focused on, on that audience or, or persona, I guess, as one would say in, in our, in our marketing terms? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of this, um, I, I, I represent the largest fran- one of the largest franchises in this country, uh, over 1,200 franchisees nationwide. And you know, the biggest reasons they come to me is insurance, unaffordability, um, high deductibles that they don't even hit, so they are not even seeing any value in their plan at all. They're basically functionally uninsured. Um, Cobra is a problem and, you know, just really high prices for their families that they can no longer afford, but they need this desperate coverage. So the, um, you know, the, uh, um, the impetus behind pure assurance was let's find an affordable option for small business owners who can feel good at night that they're going to be well covered and not have to endure this ridiculous, Ugh, premiums that are escalating year over year and and deductibles which are increasing um so i think you know we've done a good job in doing that you know it's uh there's a lot of um things out there that people who are not on the inside don't know call them tricks and tips especially with emergency rooms who hike up uh the bills as much as 1100 percent um so you know we we don't just kind of um uh insure people we coach people on how to take a more proactive approach to their health care so uh number one the patient provider relationship is restored and not just like a you know a, an assembly line like major medical um, insurance companies have made doctors right they've right. it's a right now it's about how many people you can see in an eight hour period not you know um, let me give time to this patient who really needs it so it's um I aim to do that and when we're working with people, you know, let's put the provider patient relationship back together. And because nobody is going to know your health better than your primary care physician. And um, let's make it affordable. That's it's, it's a very, very easy model. And, you know, it, it it's so funny. It's like Steve Jobs, when he spoke, when he did that monumental speech in front of Stanford at the commencement, uh, I think it was 2005, talks about the dots connecting that you can never see the dots connecting forward. You can only see it connecting backward. And when I got my start on Wall Street, I worked for a firm that brought transparency to a very opaque trading style. When, you know, back in in the late 80s, early 90s, trading was, 
there were no screens. There was no electronic trading. It was all, you know, um, pieces of paper and brokers and That's specialists. Right. And, old school. <laughs> yeah, old school stuff, right? And the New York Stock Exchange is basically a photo op place right now. And, you know, we we brought transparency to a very opaque market, brought transaction costs down. So it was actually being in the center of the advent of electronic trading that made that experience um, so um, uh, let's say that that shined the light for me on health insurance, another very opaque um, business that I aim to bring transparency to. And what is the, what's sort of the secret sauce that you bring aside from, I mean, I mean, coaching is one of the most fundamental things, right? It's not yeah. just, it's actually creating a program and, and engaging and understanding you know, KYC, as we call it in, in finance, right? It's, you yep. have to have know your client, understand their risk, uh, and, and it's a legal requirement. Yet in insurance, no KYC. It's just the most bizarre thing, right? They're just like, yeah. whatever, dude. You know, you if you're willing to roll the dice and, and cancel your insurance, you know, suddenly the COBRA payments just stop and people just, they don't chase it down. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's so different than the financial side of the world. But yet it is so alike to it in the way that the market mm -hmm. works, that it should just be hand in hand. But so again, like us outside of coaching, mm -hmm. what are you bringing on the backside of your platforms and, and your, your sort of your anecdotal knowledge and in your systems that can come together and, and help folks? Different types of plans that the average consumer doesn't know about that are out there that have emerged in the last few years. Um, the Trump administration signed some legislation that took effect in 2019 that um, brought other insurance possibilities to the center um, of the forefront. Uh, and if anybody knows about health sharing ministries, which are, are not insurance, they're, they're, share, they're share policies, but they've gained a lot of traction too over the, um, over the past few years. I don't, I don't um, put anybody in those, by the way. I just, I, I'm very, very wary of, of, of something that doesn't, is not a transfer of risk when you're paying for a transfer of risk. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we'll take your money. We can't call it a policy. We can't call it claims because it's not real insurance, but just take our word for it. Just a nice, yeah, trust us. It'll be good. Yeah, trust us. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so no, so but there are a lot of products out there um, that uh, the average consumer doesn't know about that because they're not in it. I mean, this is what I live and breathe. You know, I'm constantly looking for new product. I'm constantly seeing what's out there, what can be constructed together to create uh, a compelling story that will um, protect assets and and protect people. Um, you know, one of the uh, initial things that that people don't know about are, you know, subsidies that they may be entitled to on the exchange. When you're a new entrepreneur, if you're fortunate enough not to have a big income this year, you may qualify for a subsidy, right? And depend, and it all goes, it all depends upon the size of, of your household. Uh, so if you're, uh, you know, a husband and wife and two kids and you're making between, uh, you know, 25 and $100,000 a year, you're eligible for a subsidy. Um, and that could make the insurance very affordable. Now, there's no subsidy for the deductible, so the deductible can still be $8,500 per person, but a catastrophic policy, which essentially it is, uh, is better than no insurance. And if you're paying 
a small amount for it, so much better. So I like to um, uh, I like to provide people coverage where they see immediate benefit in there. So you know that's kind of the focus. Um, yeah, and you know it's. Um, it's fun because it's kind of like a puzzle that you put together, right? Not everybody has the same situation. And, you know, it's the, the uniqueness of people makes um, putting together products, uh, you know, very, uh, very challenging sometimes and exciting at the same time. Well, the advantages in, in the same way that, you know, any large adopted technology or system at all, mm -hmm. Learn the system itself will operate in a way and learn in a way that an individual contributor to that system cannot understand. And the same thing, like when I go to when I choose a product or service for just about anything, what I want to look for is effectively economies of scale, both in pricing as well as in ability to be ahead of the curve in selection of options. Right. Whether it's cloud computing, whether it's software for anything, right? Or, you know, and, or any service. And it's tough in this particular thing that we're talking about of there's not the economies of scale are effectively coming from the people who they're, they own the scale. <laughs> it's yeah. the, the, the larger insurers, uh, you obviously, I, I want to be careful. I, I don't want to use the wrong words. And, and, and there's careful implication. We say things like monopolistic or whatever. And I, I'm not making any implications. But I worked in insurance for a long time, worked for an insurance organization. And they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to continue to profit and grow the business yeah. with while reducing risk. Yeah. So as a consumer, as a buyer of services from them, they only see their product selection, right? So versus I go and I say, I've got Eric Geyer in my pocket. You are now shopping all of them and looking for not just them, but yeah. other options, right? So it, you are my economy of scale because you've got yeah. a greater interest in me than in them. That's right. That's right. And the, um, the amount of power held by the top insurers is 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 just extraordinary from a lobbying perspective from a um just con controlling in the in the hands of government uh it it just it's a it's a very hard thing to change when that happens you know i saw the it's the and the comp the, the interesting thing is competition this is the really really tough part is like the free market itself is ultimately a perfect and imperfect system in that when given the right level of competition, it forces an equilibrium in pricing and availability of services that ultimately makes it more friendly to the consumer and it becomes a supply demand, a beautiful equilibrium. However, <laughs> when you start and the elephants on one side of the scale, mm -hmm. And it's hard as a newcomer to like, there's no one's just saying, I'm going to start an insurance, you know, and life assurance company today. It's, a, yeah. it's not an easy market to get into. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And, you know, it's the same thing that happens with the airlines. Anybody who's tried to buy an airline ticket online knows that the fares for the big three are going to be very close to each other. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you're, you have to look at kind of second tier 
to for improvement. But you know, it's it's the same with insurance. It's the same exact thing. It, it, it's they're very closely aligned in price, so it's more like a uh, you know an oligopoly, uh, and it's it just is what it is. So, you know, we're, we're kind of like the, the Goliaths out there fighting the, uh, David and his whole freaking family plus seven generations past. The good thing is that you effectively are now the opportunity because you can come with a large enough client base to affect and be visible to these providers. So the whole thing to happen, that's what we need because then it's a real win-win because effectively now you can ride their wave of understanding and competitiveness with your clients because they'll say, Eric's doing all this crazy stuff and he's found a way and he's using our competitors against us. So let's use them against, let's use our stuff and Eric and Pure Assurance and the folks against the competitors, realizing that you are now a competitive differentiator for all of these large organizations. Like that's, what needs to be seen so that they can then bring better products so that you can then offer them to all your clients. So one of the things that I, that I love to see that I love happening, and it's actually big down here is concierge medicine where people pay a monthly fee and they get in to see the doctor as much as they want. And their doctor is on call real, a real, um, uh, let's say relationship between the provider and the patient, right? That's what you want. That's the goal. So wouldn't it be great to find private health insurance that works well in that model too? And, you know, that's a goal as well. A lot of small business owners don't have a lot of time. They don't know when they're going to be able to book an appointment out two weeks in advance, right? So if they have an issue, they want to be, they want to get into somewhere today. They want their kid in today. That's how they operate. And, you know, this is, I also look to leverage that relationship uh, to complement that offering, um, uh, with my small business owning clientele. If you could choose, and I know I'm going to put you on the spot here, what's, what's sort of the top myth or maybe a couple that people have that's just commonly believed about healthcare in general here in the United States? That um, open networks don't exist. Um, that, uh, that, that emergency rooms um, are that you never tell. Here's a tip. Don't ever tell an emergency room that you have insurance. When you go into the ER, always say that you're self-insured or that you're or that you're uninsured because then you're going to pay the real price. And if you have the kind of insurance where you can submit a bill by yourself and get that really good price at the ER, then that is a win-win for everybody. So you're basically, you're playing chess with the, with the healthcare system. And if you know how to play chess, you're going to win, right? I had a client um, just at, in Houston, actually, um, chest pain. She was having huge chest pains and um, she was sent to the ER and they did EKGs and all kinds of stuff. $3,700. Oh, we just lost your sound there for a second. Yeah, and and this one uh, I'll I'll say while you're getting reconnected here again, Eric. The 
the challenge I know of of this is the the bill shock because they ultimately don't have a responsibility to send the bill in advance. I mean, this is part of the challenge that we often face is that, you know, you talked before about transparency. When I'm working with, you know, a financial advisor, they tell me how much each trade is going to cost me. They tell me the, they can hand me a prospectus, but there's no, there's no prospectus when you walk into the ER saying I've, I've got a problem and I need to, to deal with this. So, uh, and that's that's the frightening thing, right? It, it's it it compounds the the risk to you as the consumer because you don't have a choice. And and at that point, you know, in the same way that people always say that everybody finds religion only when they need it, you know, that's the moment where you're praying you're praying that you're going to get through it. And the only person that's on the air that'll listen to your prayers is the one that's got the invoice, and and they know that you're. They're willing to sort of stretch your understanding of faith uh, via your insurance company, which is a really, really tough spot to be in. We still have no sound. And here I was saying that I rarely have to edit, and this will be the one that for whatever reason we're having trouble. Nothing. If you want, we can do, Eric, if you want to like maybe disconnect and reconnect, let's just try that and then see for whatever reason it resets the settings or let me just see if I can, I'm not sure if I can control it from here. Oh, there we go. Now we're back. Now we're back. Is this better now? There we go. Now we're cooking. All right. Okay, cool. So where sh should I just pick up on the... Um... Yeah, if you want to just pick up from there and then I'll, I'll make sure I, I clean that little chunk out of there. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So we, we talk about um, if if you have to go to the ER and you're uninsured or you're underinsured, always go as a self-insured person uh, because you're going to get the real price. So I, I was talking um, a story about my client in Houston who went to the ER, a $3,700 bill from the ER. Um, when she went to check out, uh, which they're, they don't, they're not allowed to take money from you, by the way, but in this situation, it, it, it was, it worked out. Um, she said, you know, insurance, please. She's like, I, I self-insure. That's what I coached her to say. And, uh, they came back to her with a couple of numbers that didn't work for her. And they finally settled on $650. So that $3,700 bill in a matter of 10 minutes went down to $650. And, uh, that just goes to show you that everything, um, is not written in stone. And she ended up because of the insurance that she's on making money on that, um, ER visit. So there are plans out there that actually pay you for excess benefit. And this is a particular plan that she had. So she ended up, you know, Prof, well, I don't want to say profit. It, she ended up doing, having excess benefit. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but that's just an egregious example of how to fight back in emergency rooms, um, you know, ridiculously high charges. Well, and it really, again, it becomes the point of your, the economy of scale in this case, the scale of knowledge. 
yeah. an awareness of of the rules and yeah. the offerings that are available to a consumer. And I can I can't go pouring over the internet looking for you know tips and tricks on on how to be able to pay less at the ER. There may be a bunch of articles out there, but they're never going to have the proven scale and also that I could ultimately buy product through. This is why again I I really appreciate you and your story of uh, pure assurance in in tackling this problem because the consultative vendor, you know, uh, sorry, it's, it's it's like a dirty word when I say vendor, but like the consultative, you know, Partner. product provider, right? You know, it's like Partner. you are, yeah. you can be very different, <laughs> yeah, and that you can actually, you know, bring that because look. The, the hospitals, unfortunately, like the insurance companies, have a fiduciary responsibility and yeah. someone's paying for it. You know, they know that they can get it out the other side. So why wouldn't they? It, and yeah. it's again, it's the free market. I love it. But good golly, it's tough, right? Because you know that they're going to leverage it. And the moment they can't, that if those you, prices would plummet, right? <laughs> look, if you know, if you know, the, if you know how the game is played, it's easy to navigate and bend and and do what you need everybody look everybody is an expert in the business that they do and they know the the workarounds for things right health insurance is no different i'm just somebody who's taken the time to um get into the weeds and know how everything works and then and then structure my business around it you're like the secret menu for healthcare. I love it. <laughs> I'm like I'm like Winston Wolf from Pulp Fiction of, uh, of health <laughs> <That's> insurance. <laughs> well, and this is so important because you know we've got generational change that's happening. Yeah. That we've got you know we all kind of joke of like okay boomer you know and all these sort of memes that come around stuff. But yeah, the the whole industry is adjusting to the populace. Mm -hmm. And so anything that you are going to get told by your parents, your uncles and aunts is relative to their experience directly with healthcare. Yeah. So yep. today's regulatory changes, as you talked about recent changes that have happened, it's like, if, if you're not watching for this stuff, it's happening and it just happens quietly. And if yeah. you don't, that's why you need a partner. That's why you really do need that consultative partner. One of the, one of the bigger reasons why um, healthcare has gotten so expensive is because the individual mandate um, went away in 2019. So there's no more penalty for not having insurance unless you're in the state of California. Um, they, they impose their own penalties. Uh, and, you essentially are having people who can afford the subsidies and who are sick getting on these plans and everybody else is kind of subsidizing those. Right. Yeah. So, you know, pre-existing conditions are very, very expensive to, to, um, uh, to manage. And that's why you're seeing deductibles go up. Uh, uh, President Biden has spoken about a Medicare-like option for those under 65. I think that's a great opportunity um, to provide a backstop for the highest risk of population, and then get the private insurers back on you know on on, on better footing, so we can have better policies at more affordable costs. You know, I'm not for a um, for a, a 
a, a public option for everyone and I'm not for a private option for everyone. I think there needs to be a, you know, a public private partnership to address the, the problems in this country. And, you know, it's, uh, I talk about it a lot, but you know, it's, it's just, everybody wants to stay in their corner and, and be protective of what they have. And nobody wants to give up anything for the sake of the, uh, of, of the greater good. But I, I, I do think that there's going to be a Medicare-like option um, for those under 65. There has to be. Uh, insurance, you know, it, it, it does you no good to have a $17,000 deductible uh, for your family. You're not, you're just, you're paying into a hole. You're not going to hit right. that. Yeah, this is you're you're ultimately paying for with the option of paying again, and you're which yeah, and you 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 bring up a great point, Eric. That this is it's a polarizing topic, and unfortunately, yeah. for whatever reason, like just at least in the very public sphere, the Twitter sphere, and like the 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 news cycles, everybody's wrapped around some side winning. And yeah. it's like, we've yeah. got 335 million people or whatever the current population is. I'm not Canadian. I'm Canadian. So I'm going to take, I'm gonna, I failed my geography test just now, but let's just say ballpark 335-ish yep. million people. Yep. We have to think in not winning and losing, but in, as you mentioned, the greater good, what's the thing we can do for the greatest part of the population so that then the edge cases are, are manageable. Yeah. But yeah, we've got to stop treating like the edge case is the greater solution and then push for all or nothing, which is a yeah. really, really tough position to be in. It is. And, you know, I, I, I always say to myself and I have to remind myself sometimes that never let progress get in the way of perfection. Right. Um, no, no. Never let perfection get in the way of progress. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, and, you know, and, and that's what it is a lot of the times. People, naysayers out there are saying, well, this won't work, this won't work, that won't work. And, and of course, nothing's going to be perfect, right? But you have to get into it to see. So let's just do something that makes sense and stop fighting about it, right? You can't, you know, everybody jumping up, socialism, this is socialism, blah, 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 blah. You know, I... So you have socialist policies in this country. Medicare is, is a socialist policy. Social security is a socialist policy. You know, there's nothing wrong with government taking the reins on things, you know, it's, but there's, there's some things that private uh, industry does better and, and it should be recognized. And there's opportunities for, for public and private to work together. And if that can happen, I think, you know, there's going to be a much better outcome in the, in the future. I think what you said at the beginning was important too. Like we've we've seen this have to happen, although we still struggle with it in the financial industry is transparency. Yeah. And especially when you get in those public private partnerships, uh, you know, there is the same potential for a, a for-profit, you know, insurer and a for-profit hospital yeah. and a you know, to ultimately for you know, I'll say collude is a is a rough word because again it has implications. But like uh, to to see the opportunity for profits, you know, and mm -hmm. then aim for it. Versus when we have transparency across the board, then the consumer can begin to choose and steer the ship more so yeah. than just because I mean, uh, 
I, I would say I'll, I'll, I'll align almost libertarian in the sense of I like smaller government, but I recognize we need government controls for many things. But you also need an informed population. And right. people, people need to recognize the importance of this and not depend on their legislators to affect the change, right? Affecting change can happen at the ground level and should, because that's like you said, that moves the ship. Yeah, and especially when the people that re represent us make far more than us yeah. and don't and aren't required to do the things we do, like take on our health care. <laughs> right, right. It's all covered for them. They're good. They don't need any. And they're I'm sure they're getting nice campaign donations too from the from the big guns. So I mean life is great there, but <laughs> you know. For, I, I, I have a different, I bring a different perspective and, you know, I want people to be able to look, the more money in somebody's pocket is more money that they can grow their business with. It's more money that they can put towards their retirement. It's money that they can, you know, um, uh, take their family on vacation or send their kid to the school that they want to go to. So better in your pocket than in somebody else's pocket, number one, and better to be informed than not. Um, my clients have the luxury of, of me being informed on their behalf, but I do make them take a more proactive approach to their yeah. healthcare. I, I, I do bother them every now and then. Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do, but you know, I'm the kind of person that works 24 seven. So, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always thinking about things at, at, at all hours of the night. So. Well, and that's who you want on your team is yeah. somebody who's like, who's going to care a Nobody's lot more about it on yeah that <laughs> this yeah. is what this is why I, I i implore people to look at at what you're bringing to to the market because this is something that i don't want to have to care as hard about it as you can yeah and just like financial advice and healthcare advice and coaching advice and relationship advice you if we only look to the internet and to our peer group, yeah. then you're, it will not end in a positive story because it's just, if you do it, you're lucky more than right. I am a big fan of staffing out stuff that you don't understand and don't want to understand, right? I don't change my own oil in my car. Uh, just because there's somebody who's going to do it better. I can probably do it, but there's somebody who's going to do it better. And just like, you know, you have people do your, um, you know, your mundane stuff so you can focus on, on bigger picture stuff when you're a business owner. So it's the same exact thing, right? Always find a competent person who knows more than you do and work with that person. And in health insurance is no different. Retirement is no different. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it, mentor relationships are, are, are the, are, are the kind of things that everybody should be, um, looking for. I think it, it, the funny thing is every once in a while you watch somebody's eyes open up to like the challenge yeah. we have. And again, I, 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 want to, I don't want to sound like I'm trashing government or whatever, but like great example is if I go through, so I'm a technologist and I'm yeah. intimately aware when something comes along, like there was a thing called SOPA, which was the idea of like online privacy. And immediately I recognize like there's a gross overreach that's going to occur if this goes in and people mm -hmm. rallied around it. And all these technologists were like, Hey, you know, 
this can't happen because they knew they understood the rules of the game in that game. And so mm -hmm. they took a vested interest and we actively as a society, as a group, we're able to influence outcomes and make changes. But then yeah. the funny thing is then along comes, you know, healthcare decision X, whatever it's going to be. And they're like, well, they must know more about that than I do. They're like, no, they know as little about that as they did about SOPA or on anything. They're lawyers. They mm -hmm. know how to write fantastic legislative contracts. Yeah. Yeah. They are not more knowledgeable. That, and that's the tough part. There's no engineers. There's no doctors. Well, there's two doctors, but I mean, there's, there are not enough real true representatives at the legislative branch that can ultimately, you know, have our true interest in mind. So this is why, again, you know, like I, I can't say it enough. Like find yeah. somebody, like you said, like go to an expert of everything that you need them to be an expert in. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And, and you oftentimes you're not going to pay any more because it's just going to be bundled in with whatever service that you're that you're buying. But even if you do have to pay, you're going to pay a lot less in the long run by, right. you know, <laughs> by, by, uh, by doing the right thing now. So, um, you know, that's, that's just kind of, that's, you know, it, it's just kind of something that I've been working on myself too, that uh, it's always historically been problematic for me to, um, not do everything. Like my instinct is to do everything. I like to be involved in everything and you can't, right? Because there's just not enough hours in the day. So, you know, you, you link up with really good people and you trust them. And, you know, uh, for health insurance, I'm fortunate enough that, that people see me in that way for their, for their coverage. You're, the way you approach things, Eric, is interesting. You know, you come from a financial background. You're clearly very aware of like the, the financial implications of these things. Yeah. The larger market, you've got an incredible amount of knowledge. But everything that you do, the, the customer always slides into first every time. Like that's the first thing that comes through, even when I, I appreciate try to, like, you saying that. It's this is very differentiating and like and rare. Sadly, <laughs> yeah, in in the world, right? I what think, I, what I think did you, that for you? Well, i <laughs> I rescue um, I rescue homeless uh, pets, so that's that um, that that does that for me. But I mean, I have a servant's mentality. You know, it's it, you just when you're working with people, you have to have a servant's mentality. It's not about you. It's about providing value for them. It's about making their lives better. It's about taking um, a big problem they have and eliminating it for them. It's, you know, that's, that's how it, that's what it is. And if you do that, business comes to you tenfold, but get the focus off of you and focus on those who you're serving. And if you do that, um, I think that um, the world is going to be a much better place. <laughs> Well, and, and you bring up a good point. It's something I was actually, I've had it on my, my things I wanted to ask you about, you know, you're both a donor as well as active in, in animal rescue and in lots of different ways. Let's yeah. Talk about that. What, what drew you to that as an important thing for, for your, your world? I was bullied as a kid. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was a little overweight, uh, and you know, I'm not five, nine, uh, I'm like five, five on a great day. Um, so, you know, there was, uh, 
I was bullied um, from a height perspective and, and from a weight perspective. And when you're bullied, uh, it opens your eyes as to um, the vulnerability of others uh, who are also bullied. And, you know, um, animals can't, um, can't talk. They can't tell people they're in pain. They can't tell people they're scared. So, you know, I, you know, being an advocate for them is, is, was a logical uh, next step. Um, children too, children and animals are a lot alike in that respect where they're very vulnerable. So those two uh, segments of, um, of, of the population are something that my wife and I uh, feel very, very strongly about and aim to, aim to um, uh, make a, uh, a difference in. And especially if we look over the last year and a half now that's hard to believe we can say that at this point like we that voice got dampened even lower both for children for animals right so people yeah have less money uh, abuse is potentially much more rampant and now unseen it's a really really tough thing and i've had a few folks on on the show who've who've really you know seen that and we're doing, you know, I'm, I do as much as I can to kind of reach into organizations to help out for stuff like that, because yeah. this is sort of the, the, it, it didn't stop. It just became more hidden, which is far more dangerous. I agree. I agree. Um, the more stuff out that's out in the open, the better chance of, of change. Now, the, the other thing that's, Again, you know, your your background is you, you you went, you know, you went to business school. You've got a great strong financial background and you saw successes in there. Did you ever, you know, how did you find that balance to be struck of really being a true customer focused service provider and and seller or whatever we want to describe it as and also like we've talked about a few times, he's like, I have a fiduciary responsibility to grow the value of the company that's selling the products to those consumers. It's, did you ever, like, how did you find and maintain that balance of, of making both sides successful in the transaction? I, I actually don't. I, I don't have any balance in my life. I just focused, <laughs> I just focused on serving my clients and let all the other stuff fall into place. I, I really, uh, my wife gets on me sometimes about there's no balance for me. Like I, I'm all in on, on, on something. And then, you know, I, she has to kind of look at, argue the opposite point, but uh, look, I, I, I mean, how do you argue against serving clients? How do you argue against rescuing animals? How do you argue against saving children from trafficking? I mean, how do you, you know, you, you just for me, you just have to be all in and, and, and almost like an obsession with, with one thing to be, um, you know, to be successful. And Grant Cardone talks about it. I mean, I'm not new about it. I'm not new with this stuff. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't have any balance in my life. None. <laughs> well, in, and in a way, that's, I mean, ultimately that, that's the, the success of, of drive and passion come together. Uh, yeah. and, and, and like I said, when applied to the right focus area is important. And again, this yeah. is, is differentiating. I have a huge respect for, for what you've done, Eric. And, you know, this is the other thing too, is, you know, you, I look at you today and folks will go and they can, they can check out, you know, they'll find pictures of you. No one knows the story, right? We, like you said, how did I know that you were larger as, as a child, right? That you yeah. struggled with, you know, with the fitting in 
And ultimately that can greatly impact the next 10 and ultimately the next, you know, 70 years of your life. Yep. Those are unseen things that if latched onto and exploited in the right way has made you uh, an incredible partner to so many people now because you saw like, I got two ways I could deal with this. I could hate the world. I could write a manifesto and I could be angry yeah. or I can take this passion and this sort of, you know, something, something bad happened. Now I want to make sure it doesn't happen to others. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I just, I thank, I'm just very thankful and just have a lot of gratitude that I went that route because life is, uh, it's not very fun when you're miserable. No, no. And, and this is really the thing that I, I appreciate that we, we are starting to think, especially with the last year, recognize where we do need to be open about this and discuss these things because you know, they are, they are happening regardless of whether we believe it or not. So that's a, uh, again, a huge respect to you for doing this. I just, Thank you. I, I've, if you have advice then, for for somebody who wants to, you know, you you took this first principles approach. I see a problem, a large problem, and I'm going to build something that's going to solve that problem in the face of adversity. When you see somebody and they come to you and they say, "Eric, I'm I'm thinking about doing my own thing, mm. walking my own path." What what's your sort of first few words that you share with them to help them on that first couple of steps? Why do you want to do it? That's the the why is is the most important. What's your what's what what is underlying your reason for wanting to do this? Um, is it a need to help people and insurance is your mechanism to do that? It's great, right? Um, do you have a passion for coffee and you want to share that with other people. And that's why you want to open a roaster or a store, um, stuff like that, stuff that's going to sustain them when it gets tough because it always gets tough, right? Because there's times when, you know, early in your business, first two years, it, it could be financially scary and it likely will be financially scary. And you're going to have to go to a place where, you made that initial decision to do it and remind yourself why you did it. And in those dark moments, your purpose could be the only thing that moves you forward. So I would, um, and I know there was a book about this, uh, it's start with the why. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a really good place to start because it's the subtext that has the real answer in it, right? It's not the, um, I want to do this or that because I think it's cool. It's the, it's, it's the why underneath it that, um, that is going to provide that strong foundation that's going to get you through even the most tumultuous of times. Especially as a, as a founder, you, you have to make sure that that's infused in every part of the organization and the team, because if you don't have that founding principle, yeah. Then, you know, it's very easy for another one to come in and take its place. And yeah. that could be, you know, profit uh, against, uh, you know, being good. You yeah. know, it's like it's it's very easy to see 
And it's also, again, like I said, it's a weird thing of, I talked about balance and that's what I asked before. It's like, we have to have these businesses. They have to grow to employ people, to give them opportunity. And in doing so, at some point, they reach a size where they have to make decisions, which will then be decisions they never had to face before, personally yeah. and professionally. Yeah. One of the things I love about Sarah Blakely is she never took a penny of private equity money. You know, and it's her company. She can run it in the way she wants to. And the principles can be hers and hers alone, right? As soon as you get private equity involved in a, in a, in a company, the profit now becomes the, the focus. And it's okay that you have values as long as the profit's still there. But if the profits start hitting a roadblock, those values are going to be compromised. And I would, in anything I ever start or become a part of, you know, no matter how, um, how tempting that that payoff might be. I would never ever want to be a part of a company where a private equity firm owns a piece of or a public company because you're just sacrificing that which makes you unique and uh, and special. Yeah, that's what I, I actually just read the book. Uh, I forget what it's called, something about the Caesars. It was basically about the Caesars bankruptcy and talking about the the way of the battle of the shareholders and the private equity firms that ultimately yeah. bought up the debt. It was an incredible story. And having, you know, you you and I both spent a couple of decades, you know, in the financial industry. So we know how a lot of that stuff works. And it's it's weird that we today we people just like throw it around like oh yeah they just got by you know KKR they got by somebody and it was like oh some random private equity firm yeah no idea what that implication is yeah for that organization and you know sometimes it can be good because it means that they could find efficiencies that could get them back on to rediscover that vision that made them the corporation to begin with you know yeah. that's why we see sometimes they go in and out of private equity they can ultimately be rescued through those things but it's it's you know it's like when someone says oh congratulations i see you just got funding you're like i don't know if you want to congratulate them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, just, they just signed a contract the, the cost your soul <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's uh it's a term sheet with the devil sometimes but it's yeah. it, it if it means that you can get to the point where you can bring this vision to a higher level of execution, then it's fantastic. But yeah, it's and there not are good, easy and there, and there are good private equity firms there out there. Are, I shouldn't, there I shouldn't, I shouldn't make a generalization on that, but you know, it, there, there are horror stories for the taken out there. So, you know. Yeah. And, and that was the amazing thing is too, is, uh, you know, even now those same firms, you know, are re revisiting the way they approach things because they've had, you know, through the eighties and nineties, especially we saw a real change in the industry. Yeah. And then the two thousands was, you know, the financial world kind of went sideways and that really opened the door for those with cash to ultimately yeah. have an, an unhealthy level of control over, over asset, you know, repatriation. And, you know, but if we didn't have that, you know, a lot of companies would be missing. You know, we saw JC Penney's and the and those of the world that are as they go into bankruptcy, but they will reemerge, hopefully, you know, now hopefully healthy and we can get back on top of it again. But yeah, yeah. I guess I guess what I'm just saying here is that I just wish that the world would care a little bit more about oh, the rest of the world. <laughs> Yeah. No, and that's it. Sorry, I pull, I'm sorry that I'm pulling you into my horrifying dark tales of no, uh, I like of it. It's a good conversation. Area, it, it's a good it, conversation. And that's it, right? 
when it all comes down to it, isn't it amazing when we can look and say, you know, I, I did this. Mm -hmm. I, I've got somebody comes up to you and they say, thank you. And it can be the smallest thing yeah. that they learned that brought them to an outcome that they hadn't expected was available to them. Yep. Yep. And it made and, and their life was changed because of it for the better. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we're put on this earth. And I just, yep. I hope that more people see the, the opportunity to affect it as well, even in small ways, like you said, like, we can go to a shelter. We can do small giving things and small time giving things. Yeah, you don't have to do everything. You just do yeah. something. From the man who doesn't do anything but everything. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, too kind. <laughs> it's uh, it is. I my wife always you know tells me she's I I share a similar fate of of throwing myself into things as you do, Eric. It's funny because. You know, uh, a friend of mine actually sent me this picture. It's like a, this wolf, like with his like big gritting teeth. And it says, bit off more than he can chew, chew harder. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Keep going. <laughs> I, I'll always have this. Yeah. of like, I'm overwhelmed constantly. And then like all of a sudden a, a meeting gets canceled and you've got an hour of your life that you never thought you had. And all of a sudden I'm like, I can do five hours of work in this one hour. <laughs> like, I immediately think of way too many things to squeeze into that time. But it's it, it's in it's in our nature, and 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 the good thing is when you do this enough, you know you get enough things that stick, and, yep. and that's why you know folks like you inspire me to do Likewise. those kind of things, right? It's it's such a beautiful treat when you can see the result of it come through, and uh, I think I remember seeing a, a talk. I forget who it was, the clinical psychologist, might have been uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson a polarizing figure for some, but, and he said that pe creative people tend to create an incredible amount of value, but rarely for themselves. And it's, it reminds me of your story, Eric. It's like you, you do so much. The side effect is that it will come back to you. And I'm pleased that it has been able to do so. And I hope that much more does come back to you and because of how much you give. Yeah. And it's just about putting in as much as you can and, and letting the universe do its thing. That's it. Every once in a while you find yourself, you're talking to your friends and they're like, so what do you, well, what do you, what do you do? You know, and you sort of explain to them and they, they start to just, their eyes start to widen up and they're like, I'm getting tired just listening to you describe what you do. I can't imagine actually doing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's 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 fun it's it's look it's i live in florida it's beautiful here it i'm very uh fortunate and um you know i get to talk to smart people like you and you know i i i'm lucky enough that i i have an amazing woman uh who loves me and you know it's just strong family strong friends and it's about relationships and just you know loving what you're doing that's it, you know, and it's that's the interesting thing. I I'd love for you to share. You know, balance is not something you know well, but how yeah. do you how do you take time to see the joy that you're able to experience? Because I imagine that you're, you know, Elon Musk also described. You said people said like, "What's it like when you go home?" It's like you know, one in the morning, 
and you're finally free, you know, what's it like? He's like, that's when it gets the worst because now my mind is racing of what I can do. Right. So how do you, how do you actually sort of disconnect or take time to find that opportunity to have gratitude and, and enjoy the things that are available to you? Long walks and ESPN. There you go. <laughs> it, yeah. Do you do you schedule it in? I'm always curious. Like, no. is it something that you it, you just kind of when when the opportunity arises, you you take advantage when I need to when I, when yeah. I need to go for a long walk and clear my head. I go. I do it. Um, you know, Wimbledon is on this week, so I get to watch some tennis. Uh, college football will be on again, uh, and you know, I, I can kind of lose myself in that. And it's, yeah, there's, there's plenty out there. I, you know, a good, a good slice of pizza. That's all I need. A good slice of pizza and, uh, and some sports is all I need. Well, you know, what's, what is amazing that we forget sometimes is that it literally is that little of a thing that if you actually focus on appreciating it, it can be incredible. Anything, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. This whole thing of like, if I'm not, you know, at Turks and Caicos for three weeks, I can't possibly unwind. I'm like, I can unwind in the trip down the stairs to go see my wife. That's, that's, that's that's how I've, I've learned to not have to wrap a package around relaxation because it's hard. I won't, I'll never fit it in. But if I can learn that I can go for a run and, or a bike ride or just a walk and go sit out with my my youngest daughter and blow bubbles on the front porch. How great is that? And, you and know, that's what you're going to remember. You're not going to remember the meeting that you had yesterday. You're going to remember the the 30 minutes you sat with your daughter on the front stoop and you blew bubbles with her and made her day doing it. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I wish we had, I wish we had a pure assurance for that kind of joy. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what the next iteration may hold. <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. So, for folks that did want to get connected yeah. uh, with you, Eric, and find out more and how they can get in, you know, see what's available mm-hmm. to them, uh, what's the best way that they can do that? They, You can actually download my digital business card by uh, typing the word covered, C-O-V-E-R-E-D, to 21,000. And from there, you can you can email me, you can make an appointment to, to chat with me. Uh, I don't, I don't, pressure. I don't provide any pressure. If you'd like me to look at your current uh, plan and, and assess it, I'm happy to do that. Uh, and, um, you know, or you can go to pureassurance.com and, and just, you know, read a little bit more and, you know, whatever you like to do. I'm easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you, you are easy to work with and easy to converse with. And thank you, Eric. It's been a real pleasure. You know, like, yeah, I enjoyed this. It's, uh, this is why I love people always say like, you know, they, I got told over and over again at the start, they're like, whatever you do, don't go past like 20 to 30 minutes because people won't pay attention. I'm like, then you clearly don't know the people that I know because what (laughs) happens in the first 30 minutes is we get to talk about really neat stuff. And then beyond 30 minutes, you get to discover how that became neat to that person. Yeah. And, and I find that that's my favorite part of every conversation is when you really get to why and, and it's, it's so much fun. 
This, by the way, was why I could never pick up girls because I could never do small talk. Like, <laughs> I'm always interested in like knowing what, what the real thing is and I could never do small talk. So any relationship I've ever had, it was like the girl coming to me and not, not the other way around. Well, uh, you're, you're a giving person. And so uh, it, I imagine that it's infectious in, in every way that thus it would make you attractive to, you know, to people as a business partner and as a life partner. Uh, oh, I'm punching way above my weight with my wife. I <laughs> well, I tell you to talk about appreciation. You know, when when people understand the story, like I said, no one gets the story that led you to the moment of your start in business. Right. And even like Anthony Robbins is also an an interesting example. People look and they say like, oh, you know, of course, he's this super workout guy and he's super successful. Like what what makes me appreciate and admire him is not his current state. It's that he was very overweight chose to aggressively attack that problem and get his health under control. He had real success with finances and failed as well. He had success in relationships and failed and recovered as well. Right. So it's not about it going perfectly. In fact, it's adversity that most often drives the most incredible people. Yeah. Yep. And he knows that the only thing that you can control is your effort and you have 100% control over that. So it's uh it's something we all need to look to so there you go folks go for a walk smile smile as you take a bite of a beautiful slice of pizza and remember that you know these are the moments that count and they're there because you know you got friends like eric Iyer in your back pocket who are going to help you to with the stuff that you shouldn't have to care that hard about and so go to the thank you eric thank you excellent eric Iyer, a real pleasure thank you very much Thank you. This has been amazing.